Welcome to Conversations in Music with Daz and Dave. This is episode 15. Just before we start the episode, just wanted to let you know that we've decided to split this into two halves because it had a full running time of two hours. So we're going to deliver it as two pieces. Um, Just ignore what I say at the beginning that we will complete it all in one go. Episode 16 will be dropped next week. Please enjoy the show. Hello and welcome everyone to the, uh, the the last podcast actually of the current series, Conversations in Music. Uh, we're working our way through the Mark Hollywood 100 and today we'll be starting with uh, number 86 in the list. Uh, I'm joined by my co-host Darren Parr. Good afternoon, how you doing Dave? You know what? Not too bad. Had a good good walk today. We picked our Christmas tree. We've already got a Christmas tree picked from the uh, the Ashburton Christmas tree farm, um, and had a good little walk today. How about you? That's bright and early for a Christmas tree. <laughs> we haven't picked it up yet. We've just chosen our one. Okay, excellent. Yeah, it's okay. I'm having a nice quiet one really today, um, and we've got fourteen left. I think we're going to crack this, aren't we today? Yeah, yep, yeah, yeah, you've been more optimistic than most of the pollsters in America, I think. Yeah, you never know. It's how long we've got. Brilliant. And so today we are joined again by uh, our guests. We've got Mark Hollywood. Mark, hi there. Good afternoon, gentlemen. I'm in a very good mood today. Because? It's Joe Biden Day. <laughs> Do you think is it today they're going to actually finalise this or not? Yeah, I think I think he could over the line tonight in Pennsylvania. I think he will, okay. or he, he could over the top. So there's not a chance of him coming back. But all is good <laughs> with the world. Brilliant. For a change. Uh, we'll see. And Mark, remind me in in Scotland, are you in full lockdown or is it not quite the same as down in England? Yeah, we're tier three, which essentially means and we've been like this for about three weeks, maybe four. Um, pubs uh, and restaurants uh, are shut, right? And uh, uh, no alcohol is to be served in a tier three zone either. So um, there's there have been a lot of trips to Sainsbury's and the local co-op. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> to, to keep saying, I was, I was. Um, yeah, and, and just briefly come back to the, the, the old US election campaign, I was talking myself up with Budweiser and realised how absolutely right this it is. No wonder they're all revolting. <laughs> <laughs> and just like to welcome also Alan Jones, uh, our fourth panellist. Hi, Alan. Hi, everyone. Glad to be back. Uh, um, joining you from sunny Luton. Uh, um, I've had a uh, a morning in the garden today, cutting up branches and uh, probably uh, low in the morn, low in the morn, low in the lawn even, um, for the last time this year, I think, and uh, picking up a load of leaves. So I'm glad that job's out of the way, and I'm glad to be indoors talking to you boys. Well, at least you had the excuse to come in here to do the podcast. <laughs> and you saying um, from Sunny Luton, it's just reminded me, I finally got round to watching... Um, Blinded by the light this week. Oh, brilliant. All right, yeah. It took taken me ages to watch it, but didn't realise it was set in Luton. <laughs> yeah, I knew it was set in Luton. I haven't seen it myself. Um, oh, really good film. Really. Yeah. 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 My wife's just telling me it's written by an ex. Um, my, wife, my wife works at the local sixth form college. It's one of the oldest in the country. Yeah. And that it was written by a former student. Wow, brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, oh, that's impressive. The book it was based on, apparently. Yeah. 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 So that's Super. good. Okay, then. So let's kick off. Uh, we're going to start off then with the, the first of the T's. There's, there's, there's a couple in here. So, Mark, why don't you tell us about your, your next choice then? My next choice is an album called Stop Making Sense by a great band called Talking Heads. Um, I. I came across this particular album would have been early 2000s and uh, once again I've my ex-wife to thanks a lot um, she was good for 
sometimes. Um, so yeah, this 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 particular album is actually a live album. It came out in um, 1984, and it's just it's absolutely belter. I didn't realise how great this band was because we all re- remember Talking Heads. Um, Road to Nowhere was mm. was you know once in a lifetime, and uh, these these songs would be very popular in the 80s. Um, probably because of the videos as well, and, and how eccentric um, the uh, the lead vocalist was, David Byrne. And uh, I do believe he has a connection with Scotland. I think he was born in Dumbarton. He was, yeah. But uh, yeah, so the, the album itself um, kicks off with with a great song called "Psycho Killer," and um, and then it's um, it's got some famous ones in there like burning down the house that was covered by Tom Jones, I believe. Mm. Uh, it's not a lifetime. Yeah, it's not a lifetime. Nice one. Why, why, why? And then I'd say my favourite track on it is Slippery People. Right. And because it is live, it just adds to how great it is. I think it's, um, you know, it would the, the songs themselves are better than the studio uh, version. And uh, you'll, you'll understand once you listen to it, uh, especially the opener cycle, Keller, you, you don't know where it's going to begin with. And uh, it's it's very catchy, but uh, quirky as well. They're a bit, I don't know, people might disagree with me. There's a touch of prefab sprout divine comedy about them. And uh, he's a super talented guy, David Byrne. Absolutely. Absolutely. Is this anyone, yeah. on anyone else's radar? Yeah, I've got it on CD. I haven't got it on vinyl. Uh, but I remember, I think I bought it on, again on one of my trips to the States uh, and bought a load of, load of Talking Head CDs. Uh, I've definitely got this. Probably don't play it enough. But yeah, as you say, Mark, some great tracks on there. Psycho Killer. I was playing uh, Talking Head's first album last week and mm-hmm. that features on that album. Yeah. And uh, yeah, um, I think the more you listen to Talking Head's, the more you come to understand why David loves them so much and, um, you know, cites uh, uh, one of their albums as his favourite album of all, of all time. Uh, so, yeah, great band and uh, very underrated and I think very much still um, uh, a bit of a cult band uh, underneath yeah. the people's radar. Yeah, I'd say it's it, they're more pretty much under my radar. I've heard bits and bobs. I'm aware of all the songs that Mark's just mentioned. Um, but not this album, so it's certainly one that I'll have a listen to. So that's the great thing about this podcast, I think. It sort of opens your eyes and you hear about new music, and yeah, fantastic. So yeah. I'll make it my mission to listen to that one very soon. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. I'm, I'm sure I'm sure when you listen to it, you'll say, what a load of shit that is. Open to a psycho killer, that's a great song, isn't it? So, yeah. Yeah, like this. This is a. It's it's a great great live album for me. It'd be one of the top five live albums. Probably it captures so much, um, so much in in that one. As you said, there's there's lots of. Um, well, for some people they may be unknowns. So a, a lot of people may have heard. I don't know how many people have heard Psycho Killer, but you think that's going back to as you said the the first album. But they just got that 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 quirkiness or that uniqueness about them, which is great. Um, unfortunately, if you want to get the the vinyl, I mean, I'm suspecting there will be a must be a re-release coming up in the near future. But if yeah. you're going to shell out second hand, you're talking about upwards of forty pounds with postage. Wow. So even wow. even the re-release, even even the re-release version, I think there was one came out in '99. So it's like the that, that that original one, then then the second one that came out. Um, obviously, for me. I saw them in, in 1980 live, so um, anything that gets me close to that that gig is always going to be important for, for me to hear it. And of course what they've done, or by the time they get to to remain in light and, and then stop making sense, they've got that extra zest of the sort of Afrobeat sound that pulls through on it as well. So it, it makes it sound somewhat different from a lot of the other songs, so it makes them stand out. And, and to your point, Mark, about you know, you can hear some Divine Comedy or some Prefab Sprout. Of course, Talking Heads were there first, so that they, they must have been, they got their inspiration, I think, for, for doing that. 
and quite interesting I've picked up a few things a little bit of YouTube mining recently just listening to um, some interviews with David Byrne there was a book that came out earlier this year by uh, Chris France um, Remain in Love so all about the time with the talking heads and clearly there was plenty of tensions in that band with with David Byrne really being pretty much the one who just drove things the way he wanted but what's become you know we all understand now is um, he's on the spectrum um, ADHD so his quirkiness in his his personality is actually sort of wired into him so uh, some of those individual traits and, and that jerky dancing that's great what I would love to do and good friend Martin Cook has seen the uh, the American Utopia the stage tour, which has been doing great in in the states, where Byrne has worked together with choreographers to bring back a lot of the old Talking Heads albums or, or songs, um, but with mime with with great choreography in there. So I, I know if there was a chance ever to see that, I would definitely get that. And I'd be looking to get the DVD as much as anything of that one because it's very much about that sort of physical presence um, on stage when he's playing. So that's, that's uh, well, can I just commend you? What a great choice that is there, Mark. I think that's the first out of um, about 70. You've said that. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, we, we, we finally got there. You did, you did. Well done. Okay, Let, let's move on then. So you picked the Smiths. I guess you had a, quite a few to choose from, from sort of the, the Smiths um, releases. Uh, which one did you go for then, Mark? Yeah, I went for The Queen Is Dead. And uh, um, I mean, I hope she lives a long life, to be honest. I'm, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a monarchist in any way, but uh, it's... it's the title is, is controversial in itself, especially living in the United Kingdom. Um, and, and I guess uh, in years, years through the 80s and 90s, I never really got into the Smiths at all. And, and a lot of the guys at school, the, the long hair, unwashed, you know, and they were the, you know, they, they were the trendy guys sitting in the corner um, listening to bands like the Pixies and, um, you know, The Fall. And uh, I, I actually got into the Smiths when I started working at RBS with Dave Chapel and uh, a guy called James Mackay. Oh. And James and Dave were talking about um, this song, that song. And then I realised they were talking about the Smiths. And I thought, well, they're, they're harping on about them, so I'll give them a listen. Because I'm, you know, I'm like that. I'll give everything a sort of go. And this was the first first album. I think it was the name, the name itself, uh, attracted me to it. And I started listening to it. And I, it's more nostalgic than anything. It, it's it's our, It can be argued that this isn't necessarily their best album, but I think it is the most um, iconic, I guess. If you were to pick an album, like say Queen, if you picked an iconic album, Queen's, it would be A Night of the Opera. Yeah. Um, the, the Queen is Dead for me. It's got some great songs on it too. You know, uh, Big Mouth Strikes Again, Vicar in a Tutu, and um, very catchy. Morrissey's it's it's a very kind of sick width that he has, and Johnny Mars Johnny Mars riffs through the songs are are just um, exemplary. They really are, and uh, I've got a bit of a soft spot for the Smiths. I wouldn't say I'm a huge fan, but this this particular album I do I do like. Um, and it's actually I think the boy with the thorn in the side yeah. is on this album. Yeah, and that's the first time I saw the Smiths on top of the pops with Morrissey with. Some gladioli sticking <laughs> out of his arse. Yeah. I don't, do you remember that? Yeah. Absolutely. So what, a, what a nonsense this is. But um, he has proved to be very controversial in recent times um, with with his some of his views, his political views. But you can't take away from his music. And, and, and Johnny Marsh, I think Johnny Marsh wrote the music and he, he just attached the lyrics to him, which is, is no mean feat. Um, very few other uh, others come to mind. Maybe Bernie Taupin and Elton John. You know, one writes the music and the other writes the lyrics. Mm. So yeah, Queen, the Queen is dead. Is at the top one hundred for me. Absolutely, it's an album. Certainly, an album that would be. Wait, well, it's in my top ten. It's probably in my top five, to be honest. Um, and it's strange that David suggested that you probably had quite a few to choose from by them, but actually, it's quite deceiving. They've only had 
four studio albums, I think it is. Right, yeah. And mm-hmm. compilation albums. And you always think they've got so much more, but um, no, it is the ceiling. But yeah, I mean, this album, I'm a big Smiths fan, and this album has to be their best. I, I'm certainly with you on that one, Mark. Um, yep. and boy, with a thorn in his side, actually, you were, just, <laughs> you were just talking about that Top of a Pops video. Um, I've seen the shirt he was wearing in that video. They've got that. They've got that framed up at the Salford Lads Club in Salford, oh. and they've got a room dedicated to the Smiths, which they call the Smiths Room. And it just takes it takes so many visitors in just to see this one, this massive great lads club. And they make a lot of money out of it from donations and things like that. And they've got the shirt there, the iconic shirt. So it's my claim to fame. Brilliant. Yeah. Hold on. Did you go up there just to see that, Daz? Um, I think Kate and I had a weekend up there. So my wife and I had a weekend up there. And I did tell her we were going to do on the Saturday a big Morrissey and the Smiths tour. So we went to the cemetery gates and uh, under the Iron Bridge. Uh-huh. From under the Iron Bridge we kissed. And um, yeah, we did the whole tour. And actually Kate loved the um, Lads Club as well. We got Dero chap there, actually. He gave us a tour of the whole club. And I felt like saying, I only want to see the Smiths room. But he took <laughs> us. And he was telling us that Morrissey never actually went there, but there was connections with the local lads that knew him and that sort of thing. And he showed us an original letter signed by Lord Baden-Powell. Oh, oh wow. Of, yeah, of the scouting movement. So it was just a really interesting... He said we were lucky to catch him there. Normally he's not there. And it was brilliant. So, yeah, no, so to cut a long story short, yes, we had a wonderful time. And it was a big thing I had to do. I had a, the, I, I had a photograph of myself taken outside as well, which is an iconic Smith's image as well. Yeah. Of that thing outside wow. it. So, I became a bit of a fanboy for the day. Brilliant. Brilliant. Alan, anything, right, Alan, anything on, on the Smith's from you? Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I was fortunate enough to be into them from the first single, you know, when Hand in Glove came out, and um, you know, I've collected them ever since. Uh, I love them. Um, I never actually saw them live. I've seen Morrissey a couple of times, the last one being in March. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I've got uh, uh, a, a deluxe yeah. box set uh, of this album, and um, for years, um, uh, my, my favourite track on here is actually the title track, and it's probably my fav- my favourite Smiths track, uh, The Queen Is Dead. For years, there was uh, rumours of an extended version uh, of this, and even, even the current, even the LP, the LP version goes on for over six minutes. Mm. Uh, there was a further extended version with, um, uh, with uh, additional uh, guitars from, from Johnny Mark, and uh, never saw the light of day. And then um, a couple of years ago, say say about four or five years ago, I came aware of a bootleg album, and uh, I managed to get this extended version of uh, The Queen Is Dead. Oh wow! Um, and um, then, uh, of course, they released it when they brought brought out this box set. It's one of the um, one of the tracks on the extra bits of vinyl that you're getting here. But yeah, if you get a chance to listen to it. Um, it's it's great and um, it's just a bit where where the you know instrumental goes on and you think it's just about to peter out and then it just beats up again. It's fantastic. I often play it and uh, yeah, great great choice, Mark. It's my favourite Smiths album, uh, uh, containing my favourite uh, Smiths track, and uh, I won't have a bad word said about um, Morrissey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that's that's two in a row. I'm doing well today. Yeah. Yeah, very controversial figure now, though, isn't he, Morrissey? Yeah. I was going to say, any connection between him um, and Baden Powell and their views? <laughs> Quite yeah. possibly. Yeah, he's yeah. probably having a problem there, yeah. 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 Um, no, when I saw him in December, I to, when I look back now, it might be the last concert I ever go to. Mm. Um, and, um, yeah, he... he, he he was fantastic that night. His voice was uh, was was brilliant, um, and the crowd were up for it. And uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah I'm the same as you, Alan. I've seen I've seen him three or four times, but I was just 
I missed out on Smiths by a couple of years, age-wise, really. Ooh. It was just, even though I loved them and listened to them at the time, I was just too young to go see them play live, which is a big regret. Man. Yeah, I think I was more, although I liked them, there was just something a little bit more, always more interesting that I'd rather go to for me at the time. Yeah. yeah. But I, I regret it, and uh, big time. But um, a lot of my mates uh, from home in Tenby, they just, I can t tell you three guys now, um, Di, Nikki, and uh, and uh, Lloydie. They 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 love them. They love the Smiths. They live for the Smiths. They love more. They worship Morrissey. Yeah. And all their kids worship Morrissey. Even Mally's <laughs> mum, she loved Morrissey. I've got pictures <laughs> of her dancing, and she could she could sing all the lyrics as well. You know, aged eighty. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a bit of a, it's a bit of a religion in Tenby, I'd say. <laughs> Clearly, yeah. it's a shame we're never going to see a reunion, isn't it? That's true, but I mean, you never know. Well, never say never, but there's a lot yeah. of, a lot of reconciling to do that. Yeah, but I mean, both. I mean, you know, Morris had some great guys around him. Yeah. Um, you know. It, if it wasn't for Johnny Moore, I think we, you know, he they probably wouldn't have been su as successful as they were. No, um, no, really. And um, yeah. just to add a bit of a footnote there. I did see last year, last year, I think maybe the year before. Um, there's a good tribute band, the um, the Joneses. I think they come from London. Very good, they are. Yeah, very good. They're from Luke. Are they from Luton? <laughs> uh, uh, Alan, do you know them? No, I think they're. I think they're London, no. London. Are they a trips a Smiths tribute band? Yeah, they are. Yeah, look at the, hear the name. All right, I've seen the. Uh, I have seen a Smiths tribute band. Yeah, it was at the Smiths with a Y. Yes. Yeah, the Smiths with a YTH. Yeah. yeah, they were really really good actually. Yeah, they were. They are good. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. They look the part, don't they? I, I think I think the best the best like or sorry the best uh, tribute band I've ever seen were the Illegal Eagles. Right. Yeah, if you if you ever well, if we ever get back to going to concerts, God willing, we will. Yeah. Um, and uh, if you if you see them touring, absolutely get a ticket. Even if you're not too keen on the Eagles, um, I am. But um, <laughs> they they are just absolute doppelgangers of of uh, the great Eagles. Mm -hmm. oh, nice. Yeah, no, I like the Eagles. That's good. Yeah. Well, for them. Okay, we'll maybe have a different podcast one day about tribute bands because there's a few I can throw in as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so when I go to uh, when I'm when I'm, back in the old days, pre-COVID, and I was working in Dublin, and I have a little wander around, um, I'd often find myself walking past a statue of Phil Lynott and uh, taking right. taking a few photos uh, of, of of that. Um, which is me just doing a little segue for myself to introduce Thin Lizzy. Because, Mark, you've got a Thin Lizzy album uh, in your top 100. I do, and do indeed. Sorry, sorry, but that was closing the door over. Uh, Paddy, the pup, decided to come in and join us. Um, <laughs> so you better behave. So, yeah, Live and Dangerous. Um, crack, just absolutely crack of an album. It was on the back of the studio album, Johnny the Fox. Uh, I, I also have that one. And... Uh, you know, Phil Lennon, Phil Lennon, Thin Lizzy. Um, they were there, there or thereabouts for a few years and then just disappeared, of course, due to his, his untimely demise. Uh, Phil, known as the Black Rose of Dublin, um, just what, what an outstanding uh, performer. He just had a great stage presence. This particular album was recorded over two years in London, Toronto and Philadelphia. Big shout out for Philadelphia today in particular. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I'm just going to keep dropping them in. Yeah. And, uh, Not because you're a Rocky uh, fan. <laughs> oh, um, well, I, I am that too, yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, I've been lucky enough to be to these, these well, all three cities, and, and you can just imagine the crowds. Uh, this this particular album then yeah it came out I think in seventy eight but it was recorded over seventy six seventy seven you've got the classics on there like the cowboy song and the boys are back in town and um, yeah it's just 
I'm, I'm just glad that we had something so fantastic before um, he, he sadly died in, I think it was a car crash, wasn't it? He, no, uh, no, no, no. Was it not? No. He died of. Well, that was. Um, well, that was. That was. He died Mark, of pneumonia. Pneumonia. So that was Mark uh, Bowen, wasn't it? It yeah, was yeah. a car crash. Yeah. So I think he he, did, he didn't look out. I think he here unknown. Well, not a well-known fact, but he was married to Les Leslie Crowder's daughter. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Come on down. <laughs> Right. Yeah, so some other great songs on that Dancing in the Moonlight, we've heard of that one before. Uh, Rosalie, Don't Believe a Word. And uh, yeah, if you haven't got it, do get it if you're into your live albums. Excellent. Is that uh, Whiskey Jar? Was that then as well? Is that one in there? Whiskey Jar. I don't think it's on this, I don't think it's on this album. Okay. Um, another. Another uh, lesser-known fact about Phil Lynott was he got uh, Bob Geldof from the Boomtown Rats. He got them uh, onto the, a record label. So if it wasn't for Phil Lynott, Live Aid might never have happened. You know? If you if you kind of think about it in that way. Yeah, yeah. Or was David showing something off there? No, I was no, just looking at the just looking at the. Um... The, the the tracks on here, as you say, whiskey in, in the jar surprisingly isn't on here. Uh, no, mm. no, it's not. Missed the cuts, I'm not sure when whiskey in the jar came out. If it came out later, yeah, maybe it did. I'm just yeah. wondering that. Yeah, uh, it's another uh, Tony Visconti produced album as well. God, yeah, that, that guy's prolific. He could just build up a huge collection on the back of or, or anything connected with Tony Visconti. Yeah, but they're another band. They're another band I don't know an awful lot about, to be honest. I know the songs we've talked about, um, but never, never listened to an album of theirs. So maybe that's something I should do as well. Yep, it's and the whiskey in the jar is actually a, a traditional Irish song. Yeah, yeah. So it, 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 I think it came about in the fifties, and it's been covered by everyone from the Dubliners to Metallica. <laughs> That's right, I've heard Metallica is. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I, th I think they would have probably released that as a single afterwards. Someone can correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, no, you probably... Oh, it definitely was a single. Yeah. Yeah, the, the Dubliners released it in the 60s. Oh. That's a song of their own. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was just checking, didn't have Gary Moore in this lineup, did they? No, no. Um, a Parisian walkways that did a fantastic version of that mm. uh, with Gary Moore. Uh -huh. Loved it. I have Excellent. got, I have got yeah, this, that was a great single. Yeah, that was. I've got that yeah. single, and what was the other one? Spanish guitar, I think he did. Mm. On there. So, look, that's uh, Mark cracking album. Yeah, <laughs> Three in a row, he's got the hat trick. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, there's going to be more than that because we're moving on. <laughs> Probably my favourite band of all time now. Oh, sorry, Gap. That's good to say. Um, I have actually met Phil Linnett. Oh, gotta get that in. Good. Yeah. Um, it was on my stag. One of my my stag dues. I had. Um, wow. I had one in London and, and one in my hometown, Tenby. But it's one in London. Um, it was in the middle of the week, so we couldn't get too ratty. Um, but we happened to be um, frequenting the ale houses in Notting Hill Gate, and um, and uh, one of the pubs we went in there was called the Gaiety, and um, there's about five, six or seven of us, I suppose, and uh, I'd had a few by then, and um, this guy walked up, walked into the, and I thought, bloody hell. Saw his black perm, you know, black curly hair, um, afro style hair. The bloody hell! And he had this big black trench coat on. Bloody hell! It's Phil Lina. Anyway, he walked up to the bar and well, I'd had a few. And um, I said, "Oh, Phil!" He said, "Oh, who? Who are you, who are you doing?" I said, "This is my hair attacking." <laughs> and he had all cuts on his face, and his hands were all. Look, his hands, they were all gnarled and all, all blood and, and oh. that. And I said, oh, what have you been doing? He said, I've been fighting. I've been fighting. <laughs> oh, 
said, do you mean really about the point? Yeah, I've been fighting. And I'm ready for a point. Look, I fought my point. And I was chatting to him and I was saying, oh, by the way, I love you, uh, the latest album. And that at the time was uh, was Chinatown. And he said, oh, you, what, you fought that? I said, yeah, yeah, brilliant. I said, I've got a lot of your albums, you know. And uh, so, yeah, we were chatting. And uh, then eventually um, I got him to got him to sign his autograph. And if you can see that. Oh, brilliant. Oh, look at that. On the back of a Heineken beer mat. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, sure. so, uh, he's, he's misspelt it. Alan, but I didn't have the heart to tell him. Doesn't that make it more special? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's... Um, that's a hard one to spell on your own name. That would have been a few beers too many. Yeah. Uh, but, well, yeah, I'm... Uh, and then after that, my uh, my memory of what actually happened then, I I, I did remember buying a pint of Guinness, and uh, but yeah, I love that album, Live and Dangerous, and the best track for me is um, Still in Love with You. Uh, yeah, great song. It's great. I, I can I can I can top trump that on my stag night. Um, we we put a dwarf in a wheelie bin in Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> What? Uh, <laughs> do, you want, do, you want, do you want to hear the story? Yeah, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. <clears throat> so we're about I've 14 of us. So many times. It was uh, 2002. Do you, do you remember the, the story, Alan? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, it was t- 2002. And uh, I, I remember because uh, the World Cup was on. And um, 14 of us were coming out of a curry house. It must have been about one and a half, one in the morning, I think. And we're walking down this cobblestone street, and I can only what I can only describe as he was, um, you know, he's a dwarf. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that's politically correct to say, isn't it? Um, sure, sure, and, me. And he, was, and he was, he was wearing a Newcastle United top. I kid you not. And then um, he walked up, and we all had the kilts on. So it was a mix of Scottish and Irish lads, and um, most of us had the kilts on. And he came up, and uh, you'll excuse my Geordie accent, but it's as good as Alan's Irish one. Um, <laughs> He comes up, he come up and he said, I definitely like you, Scotsman. And I'm like, oh, how long, pal, I'm, I'm Irish. I definitely like the Irish either. I definitely like the Irish either. And I'm like, oh, she's right, okay. He then proceeded to throw a number of punches at, that were reaching my waistline, I think. <laughs> and uh, and I, was, I was literally holding him back by the head. And he was, he was getting really, really violent. So um, I had enough of this. And I said, lads, let's just grab him. So we <laughs> grabbed him by the arms and the legs and hauled him over to these wheelie bins, um, <laughs> em- em- emptied the wheelie bin and just chucked him in it. <laughs> and, 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 and put the wheelie bin up against a, a window ledge, you know, so that he couldn't, <laughs> couldn't, couldn't get it. And to this day, I just hope he's okay. I really do. <laughs> he's probably got out by now. I'd, I'd say so. I'd say I so. But all I could hear, all I could hear was this muffled, "Let me up, you bastards!" And uh, I just remember going oh back to the hotel and saying to Kevin, my best man, Kevin Connell, great lad, oh, we're, just, "We're just having a pint at the bar in the hotel." And I said, "Did we just put a dwarf in a wheelie bin?" And Kevin just turned around and went, "Yep, cheaper than a stripper." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I feel like I've just entered the twilight zone right now. <laughs> <laughs> We've gone from filming that in a pub to thoughts in a wheelie bin. <laughs> well, I think this is a setup Mark said this afternoon. Would have, can you please mention my stag do so I can tell it, tell this tale? <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm very glad you did. There's no denying it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good taste. Yeah, brilliant. Excellent. Okay, so any more Phil Lynott stories? Or we, uh... <laughs> That's it, <laughs> two ago. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, so we'll go back to, well, 10 minutes ago, we made a link to one of my favourite bands of all time, Mark. Are they one of yours as well? You two. Absolutely, yeah? absolutely. You two, what a band. And uh, I was lucky enough to see them with, um, with a few minutes in 94 at the Zoo Tour and 98. So I saw them in 94 Croke Park 
uh, on the Z Tour and then the Pop Tour in, in 98 at the RDS in Dublin with uh, another shout out to uh, the lovely Jenny Kerr. Jenny, Jenny uh-huh. man with me. And uh, yeah, she keeps popping up. And um, I just think they're a great band. Acton Baby is, is one of the two I've chosen in the top 100. It's just, it's such a it's such a different sound to what they were beforehand, even the Joshua Tree. And um, they were criticised for their album before. I think it was um, Rattling Home, which I actually love. I love Rattling Home. But uh, songs like The Fly, even better than the real thing, one, one is, a, is, is an absolute classic. Every single song on this album is just belter. It's great. And just uh, uh, down to the album cover, the production, uh, the, ta- the talent that these guys have, um, you know, there's a bit more talent in their, in their little finger than a lot of bands these days. And um, yeah, it's just, and, and I love how they use the Trabant cars, you know, yeah. the, the old East, East European Trabant cars that you, you see, or you used to see floating about Berlin. And um, of course, this was around the time, 91, 92, when the Berlin Wall had come down. And they just got the, the political tone so, so right without being obvious, you know, without being annoying. And um, it's just a great band. What more can you say? Yeah, fantastic. I was amazed. I was in Berlin well, just before we were first locked down, actually, back in March or February. And they still got, there's like a Trabant kind of garage there where you can rent Trabant's out. So I was quite surprised to see that still. And still a few Trabbies driving around. But uh, I think actually Baby, when it came out, though, do you, do, you, do you remember? I don't think it was very um, well thought of by U2 fans back when it first got released. Yeah, I remember. Uh, actually, I worked in a pub, I worked in a pub called... Um... Don McClark's in Newry, and a, a good friend, um, Rory McMahon, uh, he's, he lives back in Newry. Um, he's now a geography teacher, at least. And um, Rory introduced me to, you know, more heavily into more heavily into U two. He would give me recordings of, you know, Boy War October, and I would I would, you know, avidly listen to them. Um, and then after the Joshua Tree and, and Rattling Home, which I really enjoyed those albums. Acton Baby came out, and it took a it took a while for me to really get into it. And I remember Rory bringing it in. He was first down to Caroline Records to buy it, and he gave me a he gave me a shot of it. Um, we worked together on a Saturday night in the in the pub, and um, I, I thought, right, I'll give it a listen. But on the first listen, I thought, oh, that's a bit strange. It, it was completely off at a tangent to mm-hmm. the Joshua Tree, but equally brilliant. And I did end up buying the the tape back then and uh it's it's just yeah it's it, it blew me out of the water once you once you start to appreciate it and listen to the um how, how musically brilliant it is yeah i remember where i was at work when the fly came out and it got its first playing on radio one brilliant. um and they played it once and i was listening to it thinking is this you too it's completely, completely different. And I think it was Simon Mayo, I think it might have been, on The Breakfast Show. And he said, I'm going to play that again. He said, I, I need to hear that again. And he played it twice on Radio 1 that morning. <laughs> and, yeah, and yet the whole album grew on me pretty quickly. It was really, really good. Yeah. It's 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 just how bombastic the drums are as well. And Larry Mullen Jr., with his, it's almost like John Bonham. Yeah. You know, and when the levee breaks, some of it is just... It, it pulses right through you. You know, you, you have to play it up loud. Yeah. The, yeah. the bass, the drums, and, and just that opening, um, the edges opening riff on the station. Yeah. To, to, to crack open the, the powder keg. Alan, you've got the album there. Who who produced it? It's um, by David it's Lanois and Brian Eno. Daniel Lanois. Brian Eno, yeah. Daniel, Daniel Lanois, yeah. Uh, and um, I think the sort of extra uh, unusual stuff comes from the engineering uh, by Blood, and it's also mixed by Steve Lilly White. Oh, right, it was, yeah. Okay. Yeah, who, uh, well, they were a bit of a team at the time, I remember. Watching yeah. yeah, they had the same. Yes. I, I, I believe the band actually considered breaking up 
making this album because it was that intense. Uh, I think Clayton and Bono had a bit of a bit of a set too. Um, Bono was having a go at him for what we used the guitar, the bass guitar. Uh, the words exchanged, yeah, but uh, thankfully it didn't break them because it's it's uh, yeah, it's for me it's one of their best albums. I actually prefer it to, to uh, the Joshua Tree. Yeah, it's a great thing for me. They're, they're definitely my top two albums, the same as you put here. Um, and yeah, I can't really call that. Just such different styles, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. I don't think I can choose one over the other myself, but yeah, it's tricky. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yes, this particular copy is, um, they're very hard to track down the originals, and it hasn't been re-released, um, as far as I know, quite uh, unlike a lot of the albums. Uh, recently, for example, like uh, Acton Baby, you can get in gold vinyl. Sorry, Joshua Tree, you can get in gold vinyl. But this uh, particular one is uh, a purple. Oh, yeah. No, it's a bootleg. Uh, but it plays very well, actually. I have got, they did re release Acton Baby. I think it was, might have been a 20th anniversary. I've got, I've got a box set of it. Oh, right. It's really hard to get, and it shot up in value. I think it's worth £200 now. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I remember at the time when this came out, I had a feeling it was released fairly close to Christmas. And um, between like Christmas and New Year on Radio 1, they would always uh, you know, put something pre-recorded. And um, I remember I taped um, a thing, it was called Zoo Radio. Yeah. Basically, I don't know if you, you guys have heard it, but um, it was basically, um, they were sequencing the, the, the tracks um, you know, with Bono on the edge telling you about what the songs were about. And um, I remember distinctly uh, that, that the second no, track two, even better than the real thing, it was a story about these um, guys in, in Falklands War, these pilot, British pilots, when they were training. And um, they were going out on these missions and... Uh, you know, using their missiles, and um, and one of the one of the, the the comments that was made by the pilots was it was very it was very realistic, and um, you know shooting these missiles and um, so this you know evil was even even better than shooting missiles at real targets, <laughs> which is a bit weird thing to say. But, yeah, apparently that's what the song's about. Um, even better than the real thing. I've, I've oh. still got the tape up in the loft. I'm sure I have. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, uh, and um, it's not, I don't think it's ever been made commercially available. But it's one of those things that you know the BBC did, and uh, yeah, it's really really great. I remember that Zoo, Zoo Radio. It was called. Yeah. Wow. Don't think I ever heard that. I must try and see if it's available anywhere. But I, uh, I've definitely got the tape in the loft, Darren. Um, I might be able to convert that to CD for you. Oh, I'd love to hear that if you ever do get the opportunity. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Brilliant. I think they're one of my, well, behind, um, actually, I won't, I won't say who my most watched band is, because that's <laughs> coming up towards the end of this. But um, you two are my second most watched band, and I've been to the same concerts as you, Mark, by the sounds of it. Always fantastic. Yeah, yeah, completely agree with that. Yeah, deserve to be up there. Yeah, I mean, you can say what you like about Bono. It's, it's a bit like you know the Mar Morrison thing, but Bono is um, he's, he's politically quite astute, sometimes contradictory. Um, he, he's he's not as controversial as Morrissey at times, I would say. But he um he he, he did in the eighties, especially coming up with the next album. That they they were very tuned in social politically and um that really did shine through i think more in a tongue-in-cheek way with acton baby yeah whereas the album prior to that was just much more direct um yeah it went for the jugular so so then your your other choice we've already touched on it um the joshua tree yeah yeah i mean first time i heard it it didn't take a second listen to to really appreciate it just i think in a way, and I, I, I might be sticking, sticking my neck out here saying this, but 
towards the end of side B, it peters out a little. Um, it is beautifully melancholic on, the sec- on side B, and it's got one of my, actually, probably my favourite track on, on the album, which is In God's Country. Yeah. And right. I, I just love the, the expansive nature of it. You can actually imagine yourself standing in somewhere like Nevada, and uh, like shout out to Nevada as well. Come on, Nevada. Go blue. <laughs> and um, I, I, I think this for me was really what turned them into absolute rock stars. You know, they didn't, they weren't just greats with the unforgettable fire and uh, boy, some, some wonderful singles prior to that. But this turned them into global, global commodities. Um, you know, they, they say that you, Ireland's biggest exports are. Guinness and U2, and they, they really had a big time in, in the States. And, and you, you can feel that in the music on the Joshua Tree as well. It's it, it's like you're standing there when you stand there on the, on the cover of the album and you're listening to this wonderful music. Um, it's very, there's there's a touch of gospel in there as well. So you can, you can see they've been heavily influenced by their travels when, when they went to the States. And it's almost, it was, it, it was a deliberate, I think, by Bottle. It was very, very cleverly um, engineered. They went out there, they got the sound. Um, Daniel Lanois and Brian Eno helped them out big time with it. And they came out with a sound that conquered the United States of America. And if you conquer the United States, that's you. You're, yeah. you're, you're made. Yeah. I'm sure I heard an interview with Bono where he put a lot of the success as well going to... Um... The reception they got at Live Aid, yeah. and they knew after Live Aid they had to bring out a big album, and they really capitalised on that as well. Then I think mean. that was their launch pad for sure. Yeah, yeah. They needed a good album, needed a strong album after that, and they certainly got it, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. It's not a bad track on this, really. I don't think. No. Um, my my favourite, particular favourite, is Red Hill Mining Town. Yeah, great track. Great, um, expansive, uh, yeah, found in there. Um, that, uh, that was released in Record Store Day a few years ago. I've got the, I think it was a 12 inch single. I've got of that, yeah, I got that one, Daz. And yeah. um, did, you, did you get um, there were um, a lot of cop- some copies came with a booklet, yeah. No, I they didn't have one of those in my record store, sadly. Uh, yeah, yeah, luckily, I got one, so um, um yeah. Like a numbered booklet. Um, yeah. yeah, I was really hoping to grab one of those, but no, we didn't get any in. All right, no shame. No. Yeah. It's, talking about not a bad. I, I, for me, I mean, I know I'm a little bit biased because I'm a big fan, but it, I'd say it's only on U2's last couple of albums in recent years, but there are any bad tracks on there, in my view. I don't think there's a bad track on any of the first 10 U2 albums, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. if you play them enough, they become, you know, you, you know, you, it's sort of like, you know, when I think of my favourite bands, you know, you play the, you do play the albums, don't you? So you do. Yeah. I think it's with, like with a lot of stuff, you play it, if you play it quite a lot, you, you know, you take it for granted that um, you're going to like every track. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, no, I, I, yeah, they, they're a great band. Fortunately, one I've never seen. Again, I've got all the albums in a number of different formats and, and that, but um, never, never been to see them. So, okay. Well, I'm a little bit. I, the last time I saw them uh, it was only a couple of years ago on the Innocence or Experience tour, whichever one it was. Um, and I'm a bit worried about Bono's voice, personally. I, he's not doing any of his falsetto anymore. He's holding back quite a lot. I don't know whether he was just maybe not on format day, maybe a bad throat or a bit of illness or something, but I'm a little bit concerned. I'm not sure how much longer he'll go on as he is, but we will see. Yeah, that, when was the last album? That must be probably two or three years ago now. What was that? Um... Songs of, well, there were Songs of Innocence and Songs of Experience. I think Songs of Experience was the last one. That's the blue vinyl one, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Don't think I've had much since. I'm just checking. Yeah, I think I bought that and I haven't played it. Oh really? No. Yeah, it's it's worth listening to. There's some good some good songs, some great songs. 
and a couple I wasn't quite sure about, but uh, it's definitely worth a listen. Well, Mark, you're clearly on a roll then. Um, I've got both of these in my top 100 as well. Excellent. I should have just, um, yeah, should have just picked these five of my <laughs> five or six albums. And bask in that yeah. glory. No, no, not at all. No, it's all about what, what you enjoy. That, that's that's what counts. Um, yeah, absolutely. I hope everyone else does these, whoever's listening. Yeah, yeah. So let, let's switch it up a little bit. It's, uh, and it's timely, is that the right way of putting it? So, sadly, um, Eddie Van Halen passed a few weeks ago now. Yeah, um, absolute genius with a guitar, Eddie Van Halen, and uh, it's a, it's a, t- it's a, yeah. What can you say? Uh, I think this album, OU812, reminds me of my days at the Gale Talks, where um, I, I, I earned a scholarship one year to go to um, like Irish college um, up, up in the Donegal, where you would have to speak. Irish uh, for three weeks and uh, pretty tricky and you know in certain parts they, they call the Gale talked um, if you if you spoke English you could send home so and this would be a, a black mark on your family if you did that how long did you last so, uh, I, <laughs> I, did, I, did, I did manage it for three weeks oh, well uh, done. behind closed doors I was speaking English uh, well, it was it was tricky, you know. You went there, you learned the language, and um, you you know you go on all sorts of outdoor events, like for outdoor activities, fishing and rowing and kayak, and and then you play Gaelic football as well. Nice. It was all it was almost like going back a hundred years, to be honest with you. But uh, we would slip us here these great albums, and and one one lad had. Um, Two of them that he kept playing over and over again. One was by Judas Priest called Ram It Down, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, this other album, um, Van Halen, OU812. Now, I didn't realise that David Lee Roth had left the band and Sammy Hagar came in. And to many, this was just sacrilege. It was like replacing <laughs> Robert Plant with George Michael, you know, or something <laughs> like that. But uh, it, the album itself was <laughs> selfie. It's filthy. The lyrics are just uh, rude, crude. <laughs> uh, some of the songs, um, like Black and Blue, finish when you started. Um, but it's it's the, once again, it's the musicianship behind it. Um, I think Hagar, for me anyway, I, I he was my preference. I thought he had a more raspy rock yeah. sound. Um, Eddie Van Halen, obviously, on, on guitar and is... is his brothers in the band as well. Can't remember the last guy's name, but I just love this front to back. Give it a listen. Um, it, it starts off with um, AFU. Uh, they say it stands for All Fired Up, but we know what it really means. <laughs> and Michael Anthony's the guy. And the, the opening track, I think, is Mine All Mine. But I, I love it, start to finish. It's not everybody's cup of tea, but it was a toss up between this one and 1984. Van Halen, nineteen eighty-four. Right. Yeah, and I don't actually to this day know why they named it OU eight one two. It must stand for something. I was just wondering that myself, actually. I yeah. Because yeah. the previous album was five one five zero. So yeah, so there's obviously something hidden in it. Yeah, I wonder what that was. Yeah. I'm frantically looking now to see if I can actually find oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> you tell when we're doing that, we all go quiet, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> uh, somebody will get it in a minute. <laughs> but I'm actually, I, I'm, sadly, sad to say, uh, I've never listened to a Van Halen album. So I'm missing out again there, aren't I, I think? Yeah, I, I wouldn't play it with the kids about Put it that way. No, I can get, I can get that. I yeah, was, Randall, um, advisory on it. A... Yeah, yeah. I always thought I should have listened to it because he's referenced so many times in Bill and Ted, didn't he? Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yeah. Apparently, the album come the actual pronunciation is O U eight one two, as in you put something in your mouth. Oh, I've misspelled it. O U eight one two. I got it. 
Yeah. Is, um, yeah. That's, that's the proper pronunciation, apparently. Right. Uh, get to think what he's referring to there, then. Well, you can imagine. <laughs> this is this is the this is actually the first CD I bought along with um, the Joshua Tree. I bought the two of them on the same day. Okay. In my first week as a student in Dundee in 1993. Yeah. Played them to death. Played them till, yeah, they were just completely worn and battered. <laughs> and, and now I've got it in vinyl. Brilliant. Yeah, um, um, the only track I know by, by Van Halen is Jump. Not Eruption. Yeah, uh, that's... Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a commercial commercially the most successful I would say with David Lee Roth. Soon after that he, he left the band. Um, mm. there are a few others like Panama is is a is a famous one. Um Eruption as well. Yeah. Off the earlier albums. So the, the more diehard Van Halen fans would like uh, Van Halen. Yeah. Um Agreed. itself or or nineteen eighty four. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is very much a sort of a rocker's album, isn't it? It's uh, the the outpourings when he passed a couple of weeks ago. Um, the, the the couple of friends I've got on on Twitter, um, they were beside themselves. You know, they they were really upset about it. And given all the different bands and and all the different musicians, and particularly the great guitarists, um, he he was clearly very highly revered for. His ability, and I think he was kind of the anointed new Jimi Hendrix. You know what he could do yeah. and his ability um, was was really up there. So very much uh, as an artist, someone who people looked up to um, and still do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And for me, yeah. I used to go, used to go and see uh, my cousin in France. Used to go skiing. Used to stop with him, and remember him having this great big fuck off hi fi set, big speakers. And he, he go, come on, David, come and listen to this. And then he take me and he put a uh, jump on, and he just whack it up, uh, you know, up to eleven, and just bl- shake his house playing it for me. So uh, uh, great memories. Your your, your your French accent's as good as my Newcastle accent. <laughs> it's a genuine one, at least. <laughs> yeah, 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 but I, I would say before we, we move on from Van Van Halen, uh, this this was a close call with OE one too because Van Halen, yeah, it's kind of eponymously named obviously after the band, it's just called Van Halen. Um, it's, it's a close second. It's got some crackers on there too. So for for anyone wanting to choose between um, or choose a Van Halen album, I'd give OE one two and Van Halen a, a, yeah. a listen. It's um they're, they're they're complete ends of the spectrum, equally great though. That's good. Okay then, so um, staying with the V's, then we've got uh, Van the Morrison. The, yeah, Van Morrison. Yeah, now a couple of weeks ago, um, I, I was going to chuck all his music out because he's an anti-masker and uh, believes that we're all you know. Coronavirus, a bit of a conspiracy theory. So I was a bit mad at him for that. He, um, I've seen him three times, and on all three occasions, he's been a grumpy bastard. He's just not a very nice person, but he is a hugely talented individual. And I do remember my playing Van Morrison in my bedroom, and my dad coming up and saying, "What in the name of God shape is that?" And he said, well, "It's Van Morrison," and he said. I know who it is. is. Um, my dad went to see Van Morrison and them, I think it was 1968, at Newry Town Hall. And they were that bad, he said. We ended up throwing hitneys at them, the old hitneys at them. They <laughs> were that dire. Uh, I have to say, my experience of him live is, is, is brutal. Um, I, I saw him in Glasgow play with Bob Dylan. And I actually got into Bob Dylan big time after that night, uh, and I was completely turned off from the man for a time. He, he played with his pretty much his back to the audience, and um, and then I saw him recently in the O2 in London, and um, he does the usual. He doesn't say thanks very much. He just he, he sings his songs and he gets and he usually plays songs that we've never heard of, and then he just walks off the stage, no thank you or anything like that. <laughs> uh, Having said that, um, I've chosen 
Moondance as as um, one of my all time favourites. Oh, yeah. um, this is a close second, I'd say, to Astro Weeks. Um, because, but you know, one of my, one of my favourite songs is Sweet Thing. If you've ever listened to, to that, it's a beautiful song. Um, the way young lovers do, but you know, Moondance to the ears, it's kind of more rounded with a a kind of romantic poetry about you know with Moondance itself, crazy love, and it stoned me. Um, but my 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 favourite song on this album is Into the Mystic. I could play that over and over again. It just takes me away somewhere else. And uh, yeah, Moondance is, is in there. Yeah, yeah. I've got that album. I think it's absolutely great. Uh, I don't have any time for him as a person, but as a musician. Uh, as someone who produces music that I enjoy, then yeah, he's he's excellent. Yeah, yeah, he's you know, I, I don't know why he is the way he is. If 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 he was a little bit more uh, sociable, I know I know he's a bit a bit of a recluse, and uh, he's you know he's had a, a bit of a checkered personal life. Uh, but the people in, in in the north of Ireland are very you know proud of. You know who who have you know who's come out of the north? Okay, we've got a few mm. few drunks, dead drunks yeah. like uh, Alex Higgins and George Best, but uh, you know hugely talented Van Morrison and, and you know the likes of the Undertones, Fer- Fergal Sharkey, boys like that. Immensely proud of of these guys who have done so well. Roy McIlroy, yeah? mm-hmm. um, Graham McDowell, yeah. and you just think, why can't Van just cheer the hell up? <laughs> and still will give us great music. Yeah. You know, having said that, we're here for the music, and, and yeah. Moondance uh, should be in your collection. Yeah, I saw him live a couple of years ago, Mark, and he is um, a miserable bastard. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he was play, played about 10 miles away from me at this big country house, and uh, uh, was supported by the Hot House Flowers and the Water Boys. I might have told you this before. But um, yeah, he, he, I mean, his his, his his songs were, as you say, you know, he, he seems to he plays what he likes, and in and, and quite rightly, he's got a massive catalogue to draw upon. But yeah, I did it. Despite his miserableism, um, <laughs> I thought the sound on the evening was fantastic, and the uh, you know the musicians that he had around him were superb. And uh, I said, hey, he walked off the stage um, about a uh, quarter of an hour before the gig finished right. because yeah. uh, the, his band were just jamming. And that was brilliant. It was really good, actually. And of course, people were expecting him to come back on stage, but he never did. <laughs> he just walked off. <laughs> Do you know, the only other time that's ever happened to me was I went to see Eric Clapton at the, um, the Hydro in Glasgow. This was only a few years ago. And um, Clap- Clapton basically walked off. He just walked off, and we're like, "What the hell's going on here?" And um, oh Christ, his name escapes me. Um, he sang with Mike and the Mechanics. Um, Paul Carrick. And he does say again. Paul Carrick. Paul Carrick. Is... That's it. Paul Carrick. Yeah, he, he um, Mike and the Mechanics, and the Squeeze, and that. He Paul Carrick came back on. He was one of the the, the backing vocalists, and sang a song, and uh, basically said the show was over. Uh, Clapton complained about the acoustics, but he cleverly played on until he could get his money. Because if he only played a certain amount of time, we would all be entitled to a refund. So he played the minimum required, and then he walked off. We could not believe it. And I, I know Clapton was up there for me, and that's why he's not in my top one hundred. Yeah, <laughs> Eric, you had your chance. Yeah, he did indeed. Blew it. I remember something like that similar. I went to see Rainbow, Richie Blackmore's Rainbow at uh, Wembley Arena, as it was. And I think the support was, oh, I want to say Iron Maiden, but I'm, don't, I don't think it was. It was somebody like that. Yeah, Saxon anyway, or something. Yeah, like so that. he played Saxon. Yeah. Saxon. And um, he, um, <clears throat> he played for three quarters of an hour. And then he played for three quarters of an hour, and then he walked off stage, and uh, people were, you know, shouting more, 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 and uh, 
I mean, for 10 minutes, you know, the, the lights were dimmed and then the lights went on and then all hell broke loose <laughs> and chairs were being... <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. it was, chairs were being hurled at the stage, abuse. <laughs> uh, oh, and I was quite close to the front, actually. I was, quite, I was probably about uh, six or seven rows back, so I was right in the middle of all these bloody chairs coming over my head. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, but yeah. So you've got a sellout crowd at Wembley Arena, um, you know, holding about 10,000 people, and you paid and you played three quarters of an hour. No. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. Not even an album length. Bizarre, really. Yeah. And that's where we had to chop the. Uh, episode into two please join us again for episode 16 which will be available to download shortly